Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. When God moves, He doesn't move by sight. He moves us to believe what He says through a promise. The first important move in our lives is to be moved by the Word. Normally, and very naturally so, we get to the place where we want to see God move. And He waits and says, No, I want you to be moved. And we say, No, Lord, it's time you've got to move. And, we, and God says, No, I want to move you. And God moves us not by showing us what we want, but by getting us to act on what he says before we get it. It's a very simple thing. And then we stagger and God says, okay, we've got to do it all over again. We do good for a day, for a week or two days. And God says, now, I want to move you by the promise. And you know what we say back to God? It's time for you to move according to your promise. He said, no, it's time for you to be moved by the promise. So, it's like God and us have a difference. He's trying to move us by a promise, and we're trying to get him to move according to the promise. He wants to work in his character, and we want to get it without the character. We want God to work without having his nature. And God wants us to Accept his nature so he's at liberty to work. If God works in a person's life without his nature operating through grace, then a believer becomes a give-me-give-me believer. He's always getting without experiencing the cross. Christ said, this is what I promise you. And you say, okay, I accept it. Christ says, okay, now this is the, I want to work in the cross in your mind and emotions. And we say, wait a minute, how about the promise? And when God begins to work in the cross, which is death, how many people think a cross is a retarded child? If they did, think of how many wives would be in trouble. Never mind. But anyway, they, um, <laughs> but a lot of people feel that a cross is sickness. A cross is a financial problem. A cross is something like this. And the cross isn't any of those things. A cross isn't going through one year of a trial. It's not a cross at all. Somebody thinks... Boy, to give up this habit is a cross. That's not a cross at all. You've got the habit because you don't know a thing about the cross. When I take up my cross and deny myself and bear my cross, I simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm dead to everything that happens and I'm alive unto you. I bear my cross means there is nothing that is a cross except my death included in His. And that's the only cross I'll ever have to bear. If I bear that one, I'm free for everything. If I don't bear that one, everything is going to be tough, rough, and an imaginary cross. Please understand that because it's very important. Because the cross of Jesus Christ 
is something that he did for me and he did as me. And I, I died with him. But the problem is, who wants to reckon on that being true when you've got something to preserve, to save, to defend, to hold on to? The whole key to the Christian life is we are dead. We are crucified. We are buried. We reckon that we're dead. Romans 6.11 Alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Every second you believe in that, do not stagger at that, you're strong in that, no matter what happens, you're bearing your cross. Even if you prosper and get along fine and don't have any problems, you're still bearing your cross. Even if you're getting along without troubles, you're still bearing your cross. If you have a thousand troubles and you're believing that, you're bearing your cross. Bearing your cross is saying, yes, Lord, I died with you, I'm buried with you, I'm living unto you, thank you, praise God, amen, glory to God, you're bearing your cross. I want you to see in these few minutes now how that we can look for a miracle. I want you to think with me. The Lord Jesus Christ can only work when he brings things into death. You remember the story of Lazarus and the two sisters, Martha and Mary, in John 11, got very disheartened because Jesus had spent many weekends at their home and they sent word to him four days in advance that Lazarus was sick and he never showed up. And they said, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. And they waited so long that he died. And they felt hurt. And Mary was wounded. And Martha was, was um, confused. Because the one that has spent weekends in their home, literally spent there as a member of their family, did not come when somebody was sick and he was only about 12 miles away. You know why he didn't come? The situation wasn't bad enough. You know the second reason he didn't come? He wanted to look for a miracle, but they didn't. They, looked, they didn't look for a miracle. Sickness that enters into death doesn't produce much hope for a miracle unless you know Jesus. I want you to think, and I'm coming back to John 11 in just a moment, but I want you to think with me. The Lord Jesus Christ got Abraham and Sarah down where only a miracle would produce the promised child. They wanted the child to come. Listen to me. They wanted the child to come naturally. And God waited to all the natural means of producing a child were gone. Now at a hundred, and she was ninety-nine, there's no way that couple can have a natural child. You know what the Lord was saying to them? Can't you look for a miracle? Can't you look for a miracle? And all of a sudden, after thirteen silent years, Abraham was back in fellowship with the Lord and he started looking for a miracle. And Sarah got excited. And she started looking for a miracle. And so at a hundred, and she was ninety-nine, they were honestly looking for a miracle. And Isaac was born. And you know what? He was born supernaturally natural. 
She wasn't conceived like Mary was. It was a natural process of producing Isaac. After the womb had died, after it became impossible, when there was no way that they could have a child at that age, they first looked for a miracle and they got one. Hundreds of years later, the Holy Spirit records it because it had to glorify God or else it could never have happened. So he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. He was not weak in faith, but strong in faith and was fully persuaded that what God promised he was also able to perform. And out of it came a miracle. I want to say to you tonight that when the Lord Jesus Christ got Israel out of Egypt, he got him out of Egypt through the blood and through the judgment upon Egypt. But it took a miracle to get them over the Red Sea and to get them to, out of Egypt. And as Pharaoh's army was following the Israelites, and that Red Sea was in front of them, and they were outnumbered in every possible means, they were right in Pharaoh's territory. But God is saying, I'm going to open up the Red Sea and I'm going to show you a miracle. You're going to walk through the Red Sea and the, the armies of Pharaoh are going to pursue you and the waters will come upon them and they will drown in the bottom of the Red Sea. God performed a miracle. He tried to get them used to it, but it was so difficult. He tried to say, don't you see that miracle? I have to deliver you into death. I have to back your backs up against the wall. You couldn't possibly defeat Pharaoh's army. You couldn't possibly make the Red Sea depart. You couldn't possibly get into Egypt and have them not pursue you. But you did, because I gave you a miracle. Because I'm your God. Then the bitter waters, and they couldn't drink. They put a tree in it, and the tree made the water sweet. In Exodus 15, 26, another miracle. Then the manna from heaven, in Exodus 16. The water from the rock, in Exodus 17. Then Deuteronomy 8, the clothes did not wax old, and the shoes did not wear out. And then the word of God in Numbers the 21st chapter, when the snake bites came upon their body, they looked at the brazen serpent on a pole and everybody that looked was healed. One time after another, it was a miracle. And then finally, the Jordan River. And once again, it was going to take a miracle. Then once they got into Canaan and the miraculous uh, Jordan River and Joshua 3.16 went way back, far from Adam, and they went over and were delivered into Jordan or into Canaan, into Gilgal. And once again, driving out their enemies was a privilege because of a promise. They staggered not at the promise and Joshua and Caleb possessed their possessions. And Caleb in his 80s hadn't lost an ounce of strength. At approximately 40 to 44 years of age, he was strong, but at 88. The Bible says in Joshua 15 that he hadn't lost any strength. You know why? He learned to live every day looking for God's miracle. Looking for God's miracle. And if that miracle doesn't come, there's something left to trust in. There's something left you can do for yourself. 
There's something left you can make happen. And God so often waits and waits and waits until there's absolutely nothing left. And then He performs a miracle. Jerry Falwood had 24 hours to turn over his keys to the government. God performed a miracle. Rex Humbard had three days or he lost everything. Nationwide international television, God performed a miracle. It's a beautiful thing when a husband and a wife, when teenagers and young people, when Bible school students at any age, when Christians everywhere, in all honesty, without presumption, without supposition, can begin to be moved by a promise. And to let that promise move them, to stagger not, to be strong in faith. All you got is faith, but it's in a promise. It's in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, days go by and the situation gets darker. And, and, and the circumstances become bleaker. And, and, the, and all the things that would be a provision become weaker. You pray and nothing happens. It gets weaker, darker. One year goes by with Abraham. He was 75. He thought sure something was going to happen. It didn't. And then Abraham becomes 86. And absolutely he disbelieves God and goes through 13 silent years. And then finally, after 13 silent years, he hopes against hope. He remembers God said it. It's got to happen. God is my God. He promised it. I believe. I will not stagger. And hope revived and faith sprung from his heart. And the child was conceived in Sarah's womb. And it was a miracle. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to reduce everything to zero then he'll reveal who's the God of zero. Jesus is finally uh, perplexed in the natural sense and weak and frail and crucified in weakness and tried and found guilty of death. Finally, the nails are placed in his feet and in his hands and he's crucified between two thieves. He gives up the ghost. They bury him in a borrowed grave and everything hangs on a miracle. If this man comes forth from the grave, we have heaven, if we accept him. We have eternity. We have forgiveness. We have cleansing. We have power. If this man comes forth from the grave, a man is more than an animal. He's more than somebody that was born under chance. He's more than somebody that lives and suffers and dies. If he comes forth from the grave. And so here comes Jesus Christ after three days and three nights coming forth from the grave and appearing before many. And then He ascends into heaven. And then He sends the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then He says, If anybody will come to the Father by Me and mean it, they will be saved. And the Holy Spirit will come into their heart. And that's a miracle. And so, God is training people that in this earth, we don't have the securities of, that come with knowledge and wisdom we don't have the, the foundation of materialism to hold us over. We don't have the guarantee of health. We do not have the, the in all cases, the possibility uh, of blessings in the human sense. But when we get to know God and trust Him and believe in Him, we can learn and develop a heart that begins to know that no matter how dark the night is, 
God will most assuredly perform a miracle. Back of the cloud and back of the storm and back of the fog, there's a miracle from God waiting. A blessing that's supernatural. It's going to reveal love. It's going to give Him the glory. It's going to reveal power. It's going to be for your life as an individual. I want you, no matter what you've been through as an individual, no matter how much you've suffered and gone through with heartaches and sorrows and trials that nobody tonight knows anything about, I want you to look at God in quietness and confidence and faith and trust Him. And tomorrow and next, the next day and the next week, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Trust in Christ with all your heart and keep believing, keep looking, keep worshiping, keep praising God, keep relying and look for a miracle. The Red Sea will happen. The tree will make the water sweet. The manna will give forth food. The water will come from the rock. You'll get through the Jordan River in the new situation. You'll possess your possessions and drive your enemies by faith. You'll begin to see that you and God are indeed a majority in every situation. God has a miracle waiting for you, a miracle of love, a miracle to be experienced, a miracle of healing, a miracle of grace. A miracle of filling you. A miracle of meeting every need. A miracle of bringing things into your life. These miracles are waiting. Don't stagger at certain promises that God gives you. Do not be weak in faith, but be strong in faith. Step on the promises. Embrace the promises. Love the promises. Sing about the promises. And then fellowship around the promises. Praise God for the promises. The darker it gets, the more that death seems to penetrate, the more the promises are real and the more God can begin to move as God. When human weakness and frailty and possibilities and dimensions have diminished by the death of a situation, God is waiting for resurrection. It's not a theory. It's not something that's said to give you an opium for your soul. It's happened over and over again in the Word of God, in the lives of many in the Old and New Testament and thousands of others who have represented Christ since the day of Pentecost. There is no reason why God's people should not put their shoulders back, their chin up, and love Jesus Christ and look unto God and know that He's going to give them the miracle. And God is going to give it According to His character, according to His nature, according to His redemption, according to His desire, according to His love for you, He wants to give you a miracle. Don't be short-circuited by how you feel. Don't stagger at the sacredness of God's Word. Don't waver in the middle and the process of the trial. Don't allow the fiery furnace as it's turned up seven times harder to bring fear and threaten you of destruction. Don't allow these things to take place. God has a miracle for you. First, God wants to move us by His Spirit towards something that He said. Then He wants to work His character in our lives when we are hopeless and helpless to do anything for ourselves. Then He wants us to believe Him with all the serenity of love. And then he wants us to keep on believing with a dogmatic faith. And then the miracle.
if some believers tonight were to get up and share some of the highlights of their life, some wife would say, my husband was a secret alcoholic. And finally, it got worse and worse. I honestly never had any hope for my husband. I gave up. But God performed a miracle and saved him and delivered him from alcohol and he never touches it. Somebody else would say that about a teenager. Believe in a miracle for your teenager. Believe in a miracle for your marriage. Believe in a miracle for your health. Believe in a miracle for your needs. Believe in a miracle for your church. Believe in a miracle for your country. Believe in a miracle for NATO. Believe in miracle for the church of Jesus Christ. Get in the habit, instead of looking at things negatively, get in the habit of believing God for a miracle. Let's see good when it comes. Let's go all the way, every morning, noon, and night, and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And no matter what it is, no matter what it is, let's as a branch and portion of God's body believe that God has always got a miracle behind the situation and in it to be revealed because of grace. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. So in John 14:11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. The works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, believing, believing in God, it's a very, it's a, it seems like, and it is, a very simple thing. To believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in the Father, to believe in God. This is a foundational truth of our existence as we even call ourselves believers. This is what marks us as who we are and becomes our identity. At the very moment that we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, what did we do? The Word was presented to us, the glorious gospel of grace. Either some people got it very completely And some people just got a little fragment of it. And the Holy Spirit made that alive. And they knew that if we we called on the name of Jesus Christ, that we would be saved. And then something happened in us as the Father drew us in to this neutral place. And the Word of God was there. And we mixed faith with it. And we believed. And something happened. God did a miracle that day. And He ignited His fire of eternal life into our soul and made our human spirit, which was dead, alive. And as we grow in Jesus Christ, we see we have these promises. We have this position. We have a sonship. We are 
We, we have a home in heaven. We, we are never going to die. Never, ever going to die. And it was all because the power of God and the promises of God and the way that He structured His kingdom allowed us that by faith to believe He would do everything that was necessary and bring us into this place. Today, that very same dynamic works in our lives. That we believe. We just believe in Him. We just believe in Him. And, and you know what? We never have to stop doing that. No matter how weak we are, no matter what troubles approach us for our personal lives, we can believe in Him. And the power of God will stream in through our lives. And something will happen. A miracle will happen. We may not see it happen, just like we didn't see at the moment we got saved necessarily all these different things that God gave us. But that when we mix faith with the Word of God and believe in Him, God, God loves that. It pleases Him. He's overjoyed with that. Not only that, but His whole kingdom has been set up in such a way that when we believe in Him, all things work together. All things work for our sakes. All things work together for good for those who love God, called according to His purpose. It doesn't have to be for just us. We can believe God for other people and never stop believing God for them. God may tie our hands sometimes in what we can do on their behalf, but you know what? The act of believing for them does a mighty work. The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man, it means a whole lot to God. It avails a lot in the kingdom of God. It makes a change. And we can believe them. We can believe for other people. And you know what? When we do that, we stand in the gap for other people, whether they're across the world, whether they're even if they're not talking to us, even if they don't want God. When we believe God for people, Something miraculous happens, and we never have to stop. And, and when sight comes against us, when sight comes against that, we still believe God. We believe God. We can pray and believe God. We can get on our knees and say, what can I, what can I do, God? And sometimes they'll say, you know, just, just keep lifting them up to me. But I'm doing something in their lives. I'm, I'm doing a work in their lives. And, and by us believing, we give God judicial rights to work. By us confessing it in the earth, we loose heaven to work. It's an amazing truth. But we're important. We're important in the kingdom of God. That we believe is important to God. And it's important. God has already done all the work from before the foundation of the world. He's already completed all of salvation. But when we believe God, it's important. It's important. It's precious. It's meaningful. It saves people pain when we believe God. Can you believe that? It saves people heartache when we believe God for people. I know earlier this week, I, did, I made a decision in my heart that I was going to believe God. I was going to do it. And, and tonight, we have an opportunity to say, what I want written on my tombstone is, he believed God. 
I want it to be the focus of, I want it to be the thing that marks my life. Either to people or just, if it's just to God, that He looks down and He says, or He looks over, or He looks out from in me and He says, they believe me. That when I get to heaven, I'll see that that accomplished a lot. And for some people, you believe for them until their dying breath or your dying breath. You decide you're going to believe God for them. No matter who they are or what situation they're in or what you know about them or what history you may have had with them, it doesn't matter. God is in you and and we can believe God for them and He can do a miracle in their life at any time. So tonight, if you feel led and let's maybe together just say together inside our hearts God I'm going to believe you when times get rough when things get dark when situations seem impossible I'm going to believe you remind me God we'd love to hear from you so please go to our website and contact us the web address is www dot grace in public dot com to believe you I want to see you do amazing things that's my commitment to believe you and I know you've made a commitment that you're going to do mighty works in this earth because of that thank you God thank you thank you for sending your son and giving us the express image of who you are so that we can believe in you Thank you for making us alive and giving us life. Thank you, God. We pray, Lord.